The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Stanley scrambles out of the pocket, squares his shoulders, delivers deep down the field. was directing traffic down the field. He said, go deep, young man. Gave him a lot of air and the ability to adjust. First and 10 at the Wisconsin 20. Stanley to throw again. Stanley in the end zone. Touchdown. North Bend. Preseason All-America. His 15th touchdown. So the Hawkeyes add the extra point. Level this game at 7 with 5.15 to play. They go on a four-play, 77-yard drive, eating up 127. And we've got a ball game here in Iowa City. 7 up! Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who reflects on the Hawks' Big Ten West loss to Wisconsin and previews this week's Iowa-Minnesota game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Minnesota's P.J. Fleck. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, former Iowa kicker Ron Colosi, and our own Tyler Chemeland and Jack Bransgard. The Iowa-Wisconsin game highlights are courtesy of Fox with announcers Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. We very much appreciate it and thank them. First down and goal to the one-yard line. Austin Kelly in at fullback. Young the deep back. Stanley. motion to your benefit. Iowa, eight play drive, covering 75 yards, 335. It's the third lead change in this game. 17-14, Hawkeyes. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. (laughs) How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes go on the road for the first time this season, traveling up to Minnesota in another Big Ten West showdown and the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. Both teams are coming off their bye weeks. Iowa is 3-1 overall, 0-1 in the Big Ten, losing to Wisconsin in its conference opener after going 3-0 in non-conference play. Minnesota has the same record as the Hawkeyes. They were also 3-0 at home to start the season before losing at Maryland in its first row game and its conference opener. The Gophers defeated New Mexico State, Fresno State, and Miami of Ohio in non-conference play. Three of Iowa's first five games this season are rivalry games with trophies at stake. The Hawkeyes defeated Iowa State to retain the Cy Hawk trophy. They lost to Wisconsin, which retained the Heartland trophy. And now Floyd is at stake in Minneapolis. Iowa will defend the Heroes trophy against Nebraska in the last game of the regular season. 
The Bronze Pig has called Iowa City its home for the past three years and 13 of the last 17 years, including Iowa's 14-7 win at TCF Bank Stadium in 2016. The Hawkeyes are 11-3 in their last 14 trophy games, all three losses coming at the hands of Wisconsin. The Gophers, on the other hand, well, they're just 4-27 in the past 15 years in rivalry games. Their other trophy game is against Wisconsin for Paul Bunyan. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 20th season heading up the Hawkeyes. He's the dean of college football coaches and is the winningest head coach in Iowa football history with a record of 146 and 98. Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck is in his second year at the helm of the Golden Gophers, where his record is 8-8. His overall record in six years as a head coach is 38-30. and This will be the 112th meeting of these two schools. Minnesota leads the series overall 62-47-2. and In game notes, the Hawkeyes' defense continues to impress, including for much of the Wisconsin game. 3.3 sacks per game is second best in the Big Ten. Iowa leads the conference and is fifth in the nation in scoring defense, giving up just 13 points per game. It's second in the Big Ten in total defense and rushing defense. The Hawkeyes have only allowed an average of 84 rushing yards per game. Despite facing two of the best running backs in college football, the Badgers' Jonathan Taylor and Iowa State's David Montgomery. And the Hawkeyes have allowed just 260.5 yards of total offense per game. That's third in the FBS. Prior to surrendering 28 points to Wisconsin, Iowa had allowed just 24 points total in its first three games. Iowa's offense has improved substantially as the season has progressed. Quarterback Nate Stanley put up eye-popping stats the last two games after a sluggish start in the first two. Stanley has five TD passes this season. He now has 31 in his career, that's 10th all-time in program history, and he's just three shy of tying Jake Rudock for ninth. Tight end Noah Fant continues to be one of Nate's favorite targets. Fant has 16 career touchdown receptions, that's the most of any tight end in Iowa history, and he's tied for 7th all-time among all receivers. He has four TDs so far this season, which is tied for 3rd in the Big Ten and tied for 1st in the FBS among all tight ends. Iowa offensive line has been a strength, including the fact it has only given up four QB sacks through the first four games. The Gophers are starting a true freshman and walk-on at quarterback in 6'3", 215-pound Zach Anikstad from Norsland, Minnesota. As you might expect, he's been somewhat inconsistent, but he has two explosive wide receivers in Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. It's interesting to note that freshmen, and there are 59 of them on the Gophers' roster, are responsible for 72% of Minnesota's offense through the first four games. Two interesting trends to keep in mind. Iowa is now 31-2 over the past four seasons when rushing for 100 yards or more, and the Hawkeyes are 3-0 over the past two seasons when scoring 20 points or more. In depth chart notes, the injury bug has hit Iowa's defense. Outside linebacker Nick Neiman, who has played really well, suffered 
suffered a leg injury on the last defensive play of the Wisconsin game and will likely miss at least the next two games. He's being replaced by Barrington Wade, who will get his first start as a Hawkeye. Starting defensive back Matt Hankins is doubtful for Saturday, and if he can't go, two true freshmen will step in, Julius Brents and Riley Moss. For Minnesota, well, with all those freshmen on the team, it's been hurt even more because it's lost two of its leaders and playmakers for the entire year. Star running back Rodney Smith and safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Winfield is also an important contributor on special teams. In tidbits and nuggets, kickoff at TCF Bank Stadium is scheduled for 2.30 p.m. Saturday. The game will be televised by BTN with announcers Brandon Gowden and former Minnesota head coach Glenn Mason. It will be broadcast as usual on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. And it will also be available on Satellite Radio, XM Channel 203, and Sirius Channel 111, and on the TuneIn app. While Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz have been the only Iowa head football coaches in the past four decades, Minnesota has had 20 head coaches in that same time frame, including Glenn Mason, who was fired after 10 years at the helm. So stability in the coaching staff and philosophies have largely been absent for a long time in Minneapolis. Floyd of Rosedale originally was an actual living hog that went to the winner of the Iowa-Minnesota game in 1935 as a result of a bet between the governors of the two states, and it was meant to defuse what was increasingly becoming a very bitter series. The Gophers hold a 42-39-2 advantage in games where Floyd has been at stake, though as I said earlier, Iowa has won 13 of the last 17. This game is also homecoming for Minnesota. It's 100th and it's 14th when hosting the Hawkeyes. The Gophers have won their last four homecoming games and are 10-3 and when those games have been played against Iowa. So who will bring home the bronze bacon Saturday afternoon? Steve Batterson and I will discuss that in depth a bit later in this podcast. Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! Bacon, 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 bacon! Chewy, yummy, smoky bacon! Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! No, 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 no! It's bacon! First down and 10 at the 17. Barney Brook looking. Delivers! Touchdown, Badgers! A.J. Taylor! Alex Hornybrook! Ice water in his veins! What a throw! What a throw! From Hornibrook. Maybe his best of the night. 21-17. Fourth lead change in this game. All coming in the second half. And now it's Iowa's turn with 57 seconds left. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First off, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who discusses Iowa's bye week and preparations for the Minnesota game. I think we had a productive bye week, and, and then obviously uh, this weekend our, our uh, sights turned towards Minnesota and getting ready for this ball game. And I think as we come into the game, probably a lot of similarities between both teams right now. We have the same record, both 3-1, and one, both looking for our first Big Ten conference win, and both teams are coming off a bye week. So I'm sure they'll be prepared and, prepared and hopefully we will 
will be too. Obviously, it's a rivalry game, and uh, I think we probably play for the best trophy there is in college football. Floyd is certainly a, a great, great trophy, and I think right along with that, playing for Floyd of Rosedale is one of the great traditions uh, in college football, and our players get to experience that, so it's really kind of a neat thing, and I'm sure they feel the same way about that. Uh, Minnesota is a team we expect them to be uh, motivated, certainly. They're well coached, and uh, on top of that, they'll be playing at home, so we got a big challenge in that regard. Uh, I think we've had a good two weeks of, of practice overall. I think the effort's been good. Uh, the players' attitude's been good, and I think they've uh, focused and been focused. I think we've made improvement, incremental improvement, and you know that'll, that'll show up hopefully as we get out on the field. And uh, just circling back to what I said a minute ago, really what it gets down to, we've got to play uh, play hard. You have to play hard every conference game, but we've got to play a little cleaner, a little smarter, a little better uh, if we're going to get a victory in, in conference play. So that, that's really where our focus is right now. It's our uh, first road trip, uh, so we need to be extremely focused, and we'll remind our players that that's really the key anytime you go on the road, and certainly will be Saturday. Ferentz was asked about safety Imani Hooker and and especially his versatility on defense. Yeah, it helps a lot. And I'm not sure we want him to make a living in the box, but, uh, you know, he's capable of doing it. He's a pretty physical guy. Yeah, versatility is a good thing for any, any any team, any position, I think. And Amani's really developing into a good football player. He's got a good attitude, good work work ethic, and, you know, he's a tough-minded guy. He, he don't mind competing. So, yeah, having guys like that is valuable, especially with all the, the spread attacks that we see, three, four wides. I think it's, it's more important. Although, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of argue uh, going back even – when Miami really started going, Jimmy Johnson, what have you, get more speed on the field, usually a good thing on defense. And, you know, I think we're trying to do that at all positions, certainly or have tried to do that the last 20 years. You know, like a lot of guys that start on special teams, you know, we didn't redshirt him. We, we threw him in right away and uh, uh, started on special teams. He played well there. And then, then it's just a matter of, you know, how soon, how much can they take and how, how, how fast can they take it on, that type of deal. So you try to, you know, carve out a role for a player uh, that has shown some signs. And, and uh, once he can take ownership of that, then if he can expand it, that's a good thing. And, you know, now, now we consider him to be a veteran guy. It's kind of funny. Some of the guys we consider veteran, Fant, uh, Stanley and, and Hooker, and none of those guys really are even too two-year starters, so, uh, but they are veteran guys in our minds. we got confidence in them, and they're, they're leaders, not only just, you know, players, but they're leaders as well. Hawkins in the same way. It's just part of the ascension, hopefully. Ferentz explains why running back Ivory Kelly Martin has a slight edge with respect to his trio of productive running backs, including Torin Young and Mackay Sargent. You know, he's probably the most uh, experienced, game experience plus versatile of, of the three guys, and uh, Torin is what he is, I think, and, and we really like what he is. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. Uh, and I think, you know, the crowd feels it when he comes in the game. You know, he runs that ball up in there hard and tough, and that gives us, I think it gives us an energy that's really positive. Uh, he's, he's fully on board. Uh, but, you know, of the three, you know, he's he's the least apt to be a guy you would flank out wide, that type of thing, and throw a ball to probably. But that, you know, I can say the same thing about a lot of guys that we've had. But he's, he's really a good player, and we know who he is, and really a, a dependable guy we trust uh, immensely. Makai is learning every day and looking better every day, and I think, you know, he's kind of somewhere in there between. And then, you know, Ivory's kind of more well-rounded. He can't run with the same power that Torin does, but, you know, there's, there's a spot for all three of the guys. We're really pleased with all three of them as well, and I think, you know, the nice thing, they're all young players that are going to continue to get better, too, and that's it's kind of representative of our football team. I think that's one thing I am excited about, is I think we have a real window of opportunity here over the next eight weeks, if we do things right and practice well, so that's what we're hoping for. I guess I kind of went right around the end on uh, Ivory. I think he's just a good football player. He's got a great attitude, and it's hard to get him. To, that might be the quiet, and I just 
just hadn't thought about it. But those three guys might be the quietest group I've ever seen. Like those guys don't talk, uh, at least in front of me, very much. You know, they're kind of quiet guys that just work hard and really, really do a good job out there. They're really good. And Kirk discusses why it's important for his team to understand the history and importance of Floyd of Rosedale. We'll actually have somebody give a little report on it, give a little bit more information, detailed information than I, I can provide. But you know, I always kind of go back to my experiences. My first one was 1981 out there. Pretty sure we were ranked CBS. We were on CBS TV. We, we were uh, Sports Illustrated was at the game, which never happened. You know, back then, if you're on TV, it was never happened either. And we, we got real tight and didn't play very well. Uh, I think we lost 12-10 or 12, whatever it was, and uh, had a holding penalty. I remember that distinctly down in that end zone, uh, number 69. So uh, pretty much you know, impacted the game. But what I do remember is when they came across to get Floyd. We had Floyd in our possession. Uh, they won the game and they, they came across. And those are those are things you remember. So once you get into a rivalry game like this, uh, you understand what the trophy's all about. So I think those are the things that our older guys talk about, the younger guys, and, and all of us as coaches share that too. Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Next, we hear from Minnesota coach P.J. Fleck, who acknowledges how young his team is and the growth curve that's involved. This is reality, right, of, of where we're at. Now, that doesn't mean you can't win football games, but... The facts are the facts. This isn't, you know, it's, it, the analogy I made, I think, the other day is it's like having 14 to 15 NFL rookies playing at one time. And that would, you'd look at the GM and the owner and the president and be like, what are you doing? Like, like what are you, are you serious right now? But that is what we're, the position we're in for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but that's okay. We said, I said from day one when I got the job, year two, we're going to get a lot younger before we become more experienced. And now we're younger the youngest team in America or third most inexperienced team in the country. But that's okay. Uh, you know, you lose your best offensive player, you lose your best defensive player. That's still okay. That's opportunities for, you know, Jordan Howden to grow and Benny Sapp to grow because they're going to play a lot of football here eventually. And now they got to play it now, maybe before they're ready to do it, or a Bryce Williams or a Muhammad Ibrahim and our quarterback and go on and on. Uh, Jake Paulson at tight end and even Blaze Andrews, you know, at, at, at the offensive line position. But this is just, that's one big recruiting class. Really, that's one big recruiting class. That's the only one big one we brought in. Remember, when we got here, we had three weeks to recruit. That's one. So as we continue to go and we continue to recruit the way we recruit and the talent level we continue to get in and then develop them in our culture, I mean, this is, this is going to be really, really fun and really special. But again, this is fun too. I enjoy this part. I enjoy the building part. I enjoy this part. And that doesn't mean you can't win. I mean, we're three and one. Everybody, I can't imagine the amount of amount of text messages I got after that Maryland game. I'm sitting there thinking, like, what? Like, everybody's like, oh, you know. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, we were picked 12th out of 14 in the Big Ten. Like, what? What are, what are like, what's the what's the text for? You know. And so, um, but our team believes in each other. They believe in our culture. They believe in our program. They believe in what they're doing, and they become incredibly tight and close. Now, it doesn't fix a strength issue, but us as coaches, we've got to be very creative in how we can, as we said before, manipulate points, create points, and get points on the board, and then obviously stop them on defense. But it's been a lot of fun. As a teacher and an educator, I love it. You know, when they become seniors, they know a lot of it. You're still coaching, but you're developing, but you're also managing too. 
you know, and when these guys are so young, you're coaching every day and you're educating every day and they're learning every day. And it's a lot of fun. Fleck provides his impressions of this year's Iowa team coming off the Hawkeyes loss to Wisconsin. I would say this is that, you know, this is a complete, I would say this is a, this is a respectful comment to, to Iowa and it's a complete compliment to them. They do what they do and they do what they do very well. Probably better than any other team I've ever watched in terms of they are who they are. They don't stem far away from who they are, and they execute at such a high level, offensively and defensively. And defensively, they keep everything in front of you. They got big, long, tall, rangy, strong defensive linemen, active linebackers, and they tackle probably better than any team I've watched. And then offensively, they do everything they can. It's not a secret. They're going to run the football. And uh, Stanley's a tremendous quarterback who can stand in the pocket, throw it. He can get out. He's tough to bring down. He's surprisingly big. He's a big kid. And... um, you know, they're going to run the football, but then they've got two of the best tight ends you'll ever see. They might have one of the, the first tight end taken in the draft coming up here, and they use him in all the nakeds, all the boots, all the laggles, all the play-action passes, the deep crosses, the deep overs, and it doesn't matter if he's covered or not. I mean, it reminds me of Fumagalli when we, at Wisconsin when we got a chance to play against twice. It didn't matter if you were on him or not. He's so big, he's so rangy, he's so strong that if he's not open, he's still open. And that's what makes them so hard to defend is that they have great size, they have great skill, and their offensive line is really tough. So, um, and their special teams, they, they work really hard at it, you can tell. They're a very good football team. And P.J. Fleck opines on whether college football will ever again see another head football coach with a tenure of 20 years like Iowa's Kirk Ferentz. Yes, I think you'll see a coach for 20 years at other schools. I do believe that because I think that's the right thing to do. I've always believed that. Here, here's why I say that. This is all, with all due respect. These are facts. We are four out of 31. We are four and 27 in the last 15 years in our rivalry games. What's the difference between those and the two big rivalry games we have? Well, you have, you have one coach who turned into an athletic director at one point that's been there over 30-some years. That's the same culture, right, that he created, right, that when they stopped making excuses, as he would say, made their program elite at some point. Now, it took a while. It took them four or five years to get that to that point. And then Iowa, I mean, if you take Hayden Fry plus Kirk Ferentz, it's probably the same type of culture. I mean, Hayden Fry had some of the greatest staffs ever in the history of college football. And then seeing what Kirk Ferentz has done, I mean, that's two coaches in almost a half a century. I mean, when you look at how many coaches we've had in just 12 years, how can you get to that point by new offense every year or every other year or two years, new defenses, new special teams, new coaches, new head coach, new culture, new identity, new way, new reads, new awesome offense, new systems, new players, new beliefs of what they should recruit. How can you expect to do that? The reason why they are so successful is they've had the same system, the same coaches, the same people that they can recruit to, that they can develop in the same strength staff. And, and that is what... Uh, so that's why I, I hopingly say yes. Like I, I, I optimistically say yes, and me, that's maybe more my, my positive hoping side, that people do see that. That's how you do that. If people think you just take a pill or you just sit there and hire a coach and you immediately win, you need to look around the country right now of what's happening to some of these hires that people think it just happens. Not in 2018. Not the way recruiting is. Right? Not the way facilities are, and as you said, money is. It, it's not. Uh, or the, the rotation of presidents or the rotation of athletic directors. Or, it's, it's not that way, but I hope that it can be. And uh, I think it's really healthy for college football. I really do. And I think we set an, a great example for our young people of doing that. Us coaches know we have to win. But, again, what do you, at what cost? Right? We are here, and I laid out when we got here, we laid out this whole plan from year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, year seven, year eight, the whole thing before I got hired. I said, this is what it looks like. Now, if you don't like this, please do not hire me because this, this, is, this is the way I know how to do it from the people who raised me and my experience as a head coach. And 
So I'm never in charge of my own time frame, but it's no coaches are. But you've got to find a way. How are you going to win? Right. And what do you believe in? And what, how do you define winning? Right. And I, I believe you got to have winners before you can win on the field, off the field, in every area of their life. And I've proven exactly what we said. I'm not afraid to get younger. But the one thing about young people is they don't stay young very long. Eventually, the young people get older. And that's what, again, we're building it from that point. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. Smith-Marset is going to be coming from the right side on a little drag route. The ball hits him. I think it was just too quick. It was just too hot for him. It bounces right off his hands, right up into the air, and the All-American ends up with it, T.J. Edwards. Time now for our Reporter's Notebook feature this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve reflects on the loss to Wisconsin, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's Iowa-Minnesota game, which is the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. Plus, we talk some Big Ten. Steve, our usual routine here before we look ahead to the Minnesota game. Let's reflect for a bit on the loss at home to Wisconsin. The Heartland Trophy stays up in Madison, and it was kind of a gut-wrenching experience for the Iowa team and for the fans that packed Kinnick Saturday night a week ago. Yeah, a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda in that game. And, and you know, Iowa eventually became a, a victim of its of its own errors and, and you know, some costly mistakes on special teams kind of came back to bite bite the Hawkeyes, as did the, you know, the inability to sustain a drive in the fourth quarter and the inability to get off the field on a drive in the fourth quarter. Wisconsin had the ball for over 10 minutes in that final quarter, and ultimately that that uh, that led to, uh, you know, a come-from-behind win for the Badgers and, and, a, and a really disappointing situation for Iowa and an opportunity where the, where the game was there for them to win. The key mistake, certainly the one that directly led to the short field, by short field, I mean 10-yard line touchdown for the Badgers was that touched punt. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, I, it certainly, uh, you know, put them in a terrific 
terrific position to, to move the ball in for a quick score. And, and, you know, Wisconsin's a veteran enough offense. They were able to do that. Uh, it, it came at a time when Iowa was starting to, to maybe gain a little momentum in that game. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, the Hawkeyes went on to, to regain the lead. But, uh, you know, a, a play that was, you know, an unfortunate situation for Sean Byer. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time and, and uh, either, uh, you know, was unaware of where he was at at that point or, or was simply unable to, you know, unable to get out of the way fast enough before that ball kind of clipped him on the back of the leg. And, uh, you know, it's something that you coach against and, and you know, to uh, to everyone's credit, it, it's been kind of a, a collaborative uh, acceptance of, of mistakes that could have been avoided with better communication, starting with teammates, starting with coaches, uh, a collective situation that uh, you, you have to you have no choice other than to try to turn it into a learning experience for everybody. And uh, you feel for the kid because obviously he's out there hustling and trying to do the right things, but uh, he certainly found himself in a bad spot at, at the wrong time. You're going to have a lot of what-ifs, but had the Badgers not scored there, had Iowa kept the ball and had a regular offensive drive, and it was it did that pretty well almost the entire game. Then in the last three minutes of the game, Wisconsin would need two scores to take control of that game and Hornibrook under pressure who knows what would have happened but that was then this is now Iowa will play its third trophy game already this season another key Big Ten West contest certainly for the Hawkeyes with the Badgers now in the driver's seat in the West Division uh, Iowa goes up to Minneapolis on Saturday the Porks on the line and uh, let's look at the matchups between Iowa's offense and Minnesota's defense yeah this is a Minnesota defense that uh, you know probably isn't out up front maybe as it has been the past couple of years. They've had to replace a couple of guys, but uh, overall, it, it, it's been you know a defense that has been pretty solid against the run. They certainly were not in their most recent game at Maryland, but uh, it, it is a defense that uh, in the three games prior to that uh, you know had did a decent job of uh, stopping uh, opponents. And Minnesota has some experience at the linebacker position, certainly in the back end. Uh, uh, they've got some veterans as well. They're, they'll be missing uh, uh, Antoine Winfield for, for uh, you know, the rest of the season now at a secondary spot. But, uh, you know, th- this is a Minnesota team that, uh, you know, has some talent. Um, they've got some ability. And, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a starting point for, for P.J. Flack in, in, in terms of, you know, where he wants this program to go and there's some veteran names in there Thomas Barber's been around for a couple of years and uh, you know he, he's a guy that uh, um, you know is very capable Blake Cashman is is a kid that's uh, you know has six and a half tackles for a loss right now and uh, you know he, he's going to create some problems for for anybody uh, up front and and uh, he certainly has at the at the rush spot for them uh, so far this season. Yeah you know, Cashman's their tackling leader we talk a lot about uh, AJ Epinesa's four sacks, but uh, one of the key defensive players for the, the Gophers is a defensive end, Carter Coughlin, who also has four sacks this season. Yeah, and he's a kid that was, you know, an exceptionally highly recruited kid coming out of high school. He's an in-state kid, decided to stay home. That's kind of been a rarity and something that uh, that Fleck is, is trying to turn around up there, getting the state's top players to to give uh, Minnesota a look. And, uh, you know, Coughlin, he certainly hasn't disappointed. He's got four sacks as well. He's, uh, you know, five and a half tackles for a loss. So, you know, he's going to be very active. He'll be uh, 
he'll be another one of those players that, uh, you know, Iowa's going to have to keep its eye on. This Iowa offensive line has done a really solid job of protecting Nate Stanley so far this season, and uh, they'll be tested this week, probably as much as as what they have been, uh, so, uh, you know, so far this season. So it, it's uh, it's an interesting matchup up front, and, and, and you know, it usually uh, is the case when Iowa and Minnesota get together. It will probably be a very physical, uh, very hard-nosed kind of football gameplay with little bit of an edge and uh, there's a reason these two teams have played to uh, you know games decided by seven or fewer points in each of the last three seasons and fight you know very different outcomes in terms of where seasons have gone and that type of thing uh, uh, you know Minnesota will show up ready to play on Saturday uh, it, it's an Iowa we could hate week in Minnesota, as we all know, and uh, uh, that's uh, you know something that uh, you, you just have to deal with on an annual basis. If you're Iowa, you're going to get the Gophers' best shot. Minnesota's had a couple of devastating injuries, one on each side of the ball. Uh, you mentioned the defensive secondary. Uh, one of their stars there left right now is Terrell Smith, but they lost their star safety, Antoine Winfield Jr. He's out for the season. There's a lot of talk about how young the Minnesota team is, certainly has more freshmen on the roster than nearly any other team in the country. But Winfield was kind of the heart and soul of that defense. The Gophers' defense played well in their first three non-conference games. They kind of got gashed at Maryland, which the Terps ended up with 315 rushing yards and averaged 8.5 a carry against Minnesota. Yeah, you know, and, and certainly I think that, uh, you know, Iowa has some things to learn from that tape. And, you know, the loss of Winfield uh, is, was a major loss from Minnesota. It took some uh, emotional and, and physical leadership out of that defensive group. But they've had a couple of weeks to regroup now. Um, this is a young football team, and it's been hit with a lot on both sides of the ball in terms of personnel situations. But they've, they've been fairly resilient, and I think with a couple of weeks, I think Minnesota probably has had a chance to kind of get things a little more better uh, back on an even kilter and uh, it, it will be interesting to to see this will be uh, Iowa's first road test of the season that was Minnesota's first road test of the season the Gophers didn't handle it very well uh, Iowa's young at a lot of spots too and and you know how those guys handle being on the road and away from Kinnick and you know not having that energy to feed off of that's going to be a, a big storyline this weekend as well. Gophers give up 17.2 points per game but through the first uh, four games the Hawkeyes are averaging 25.2 and are racking up 393 yards of total offense. Considerable discussion at Kirk's press conference this week about his trio of running backs and, and why Ivory Kelly Martin has a slight edge, but all three of those guys are putting up nice numbers, and while some people are concerned that uh, the Hawkeyes don't have a you know 100-plus yard rusher a game routinely, the three of them combined are, are well over that. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, the plan moving forward is to, is to continue to, to kind of rotate those guys and uh, you know maybe one week it'll be one guy and another week the next and you know we've already seen a benefit from that when when Kelly Martin was out with with the ankle injury Iowa had somewhere to turn to to continue to produce yards on the ground you know I really like the production and kind of the way that those guys play off of each other they each have kind of strengths but they also have some similarities so it's not necessarily that one is a power back and one is is you know the outside guy Kelly Martin has shown a willingness to 
to go between the tackles as well as, as certainly Torn Young has. And, you know, the, that ability to kind of mix and match and, and just keep bodies fresh and rotate guys in and out, that's uh, it's going to be a very beneficial thing for Iowa moving forward here as they get into this eight-week uh, stretch of, uh, of consecutive games. It will be interesting to see how the, res- how the running backs uh, evolve in terms of being part of the passing attack as well. That's something we really haven't seen much of to this point. Uh, Kelly Martin talked a little bit about that on, on Tuesday and, and how he sees that as being a real significant uh, opportunity for Iowa and believes that, uh, that eventually those guys are going to have to contribute more than what they have so, uh, to this point in, in the passing game. Uh, right now they've got a combined four, four catches through four games. So, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how that part of the Iowa offense continues to develop over time. You know, certainly you're getting the production that you expected out of Hawkinson and Fant at the tight end spots. And, you know, we've seen easily with the double-digit receptions game and and Smith-Marset becoming a little more consistent as, as he becomes healthy, too. There's some real interesting pieces on this offense, and it's been kind of fun to kind of watch it come together. And it'll be interesting to see after the bye week how that moves forward and, and what the next step is for this group. Funny moment at Kirk's press conference again. Discussion of the tight ends, which have certainly been critical for Iowa's success so far this season. The fact that Fant gets all the pub, but Hawkinson just keeps making great catches after great catches and key plays at key times. And Hawkinson hasn't found the end zone yet this season. So, uh, you know, that, that that little caveat's out there as well. So, you know, it, it is. And both of those guys have, have done a terrific job of, of, of getting open and, and being in a position to make some big plays. And, and uh, you know, one of the nice things I thought that came out of that Wisconsin game is we started to see Iowa move the ball more vertically in the passing game. And, you know, there's certainly more options to do that. Uh, you know, the speed that Smith-Marset brings in a receiver position, Brandon Smith as well, it brings some opportunities that uh, maybe weren't uh, all that available to Iowa in, in most recent seasons. And, uh, again, the growth there is, is going to uh, not only uh, benefit Iowa from a from a passing standpoint and a yardage standpoint, it's certainly going to help open some things for the running backs as well. Yeah, we haven't even talked about uh, the quarterback, Nate Stanley, who kind of struggled a bit through the first couple of games, but the last two had some really key plays and has racked up some pretty significant stats. Back to your point about the tight ends, it is interesting. They both have 15 catches. Fant has four touchdowns. As you said, Hawkinson has none, yet Hawkinson is averaging almost 60 yards in receptions a game and, and Noah just over 42. So, Keep an eye on that going forward. It's a it's a great competition within within the structure of the team, and uh, you know Iowa is so uh, blessed to have two guys like that that they can uh, kind of mix and match and and, and uh, create some issues for opposing defenses when both of those guys are out on the field. You know, and Noah certainly is getting a share of defensive attention, which is helping TJ do some things that uh, he certainly is capable of. And when you're as deep as Iowa is at that position, it it's uh, it certainly opens some some doors. Who has the edge in this matchup? You know, I think I think Iowa's offense certainly is is more experienced, and I think that uh, you know the holes uh, that Minnesota has defensively, uh, I think, create some opportunities. It, it's a uh, their, their defensive line has been a little inconsistent. I think Iowa's offensive line has been pretty solid through four games. They're going to give uh, Nate Stanley a chance to to add to uh, you know his passing completion percentage, which which is growing. We were we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. He's now hit. 62.7% of his passes for the season. So, you know, he's finally getting up into that range where I think uh, coaches and uh, and Stanley expected to 
be heading into this season. Turning the page now, Iowa's defense against the Gophers' offense. A lot of accolades for Iowa's defense uh, through the first four games. Then until the last couple of minutes, uh, certainly pretty stout in the Wisconsin game as well. A lot of high rankings for Iowa, too. First in the Big Ten, fifth nationally in scoring. D, second in the Big Ten in total defense. Second in rushing defense. And a Minnesota offense now that comes in that has a true freshman walk-on starting quarterback. And as we talked about the key loss on on the Gophers' uh, defense, certainly a devastating loss for their offense when uh, star running back Rodney Smith went down. The the best offensive player probably on that team. Yeah, uh, you know, and he was expected to be part of an offensive backfield that would have also had uh, Shannon Brooks back this year as well. And Brooks was injured in the spring. Smith obviously was off to a pretty solid start this year. A couple of really veteran running backs that, uh, you know, the Gophers were kind of counting on to to kind of balance some inexperience at quarterback. And Smith is out for the season now. Uh, Brooks may return at some point this year. They've kind of hinted at that a little bit off and on. It may be one of those deals where they take try to take advantage of the redshirt rule where he can play in, in four games. But he's going to have to be healthy enough to really contribute to, to make that work. They, you know, so they put the ball in the hands of, of another freshman. And, and, you know, Minnesota's got 59 of them on their roster. Nobody in the country has more and nobody's playing more than than, uh, than what P.J. Fleck is right now. And uh, Bryce Williams is a, he's a six foot, 200 pound kid out of Sarasota, Florida, who was expected to redshirt this year, but he's been kind of thrown into action out of necessity. And, and, and the kid is responding. I mean, he's averaging, uh, you know, a little over 70 yards a game on the ground. Uh, his per carry average is not great, 3.8. Uh, but but he's learning as as uh, as he goes, um, and you know he certainly looks the role. Uh, I, I think in time, once he gets some experience, he's going to be uh, you know another of those uh, solid Minnesota backs that people are not going to want to face because they're going to be able to mix a little physical bliss with uh, with some uh, speed, and and it certainly looks like he has that look about him. He just simply doesn't have the experience at this point. Uh, you know, he, he touched on the quarterback a little bit, and you know. Uh, Zach uh, Anikstad is is certainly a you know he's he's a walk on by name. Uh, he certainly had Power Five offers, uh, in, including from programs like Cincinnati and Illinois, uh, some other Big Ten offers coming out of, of of the IMG Academy down in Florida. He's a Minnesota native. His father played in Minnesota. He actually has a uh, a brother who is a redshirt freshman receiver, uh, Brock, uh, on the Minnesota roster this year. So there, there there are some ties to the program that kind of led him back to. Uh, to a position that he wanted, um, you know, you're turning down a, a, some some fairly substantial offers to to walk on your home state. Uh, program, the program you grew up wanting to play for, and so the kid has been afforded a, a pretty good uh, situation, uh, especially the way things played out at quarterback for Minnesota this year, with uh, nobody really taking control of that thing in camp, and and, and uh, he kind of being the, the survivor out of, out of uh, uh, a multi-pronged competition, and you know, Annex Dad is, is a kid who uh, uh, his numbers aren't great at this point, he's not being asked to do a whole lot in the passing game yet. They're kind of breaking him in. Uh, he's got a couple of really good receivers to to, uh, to throw to, and uh, you know they're making the most of that connection, but uh, this is a kid who's going to be better over time than he is right now, but uh, you know he's certainly capable and, and uh, had a few mistakes. He's thrown a couple picks. He's thrown five touchdown passes as well, and he 
he's he's averaging about 175 yards a game through the air. So you know he'll he'll give the Iowa defense some some things to to test and and certainly uh, you know Minnesota's offensive line is is fairly veteran. Uh, they've got a couple of new starters, but uh, they, they've been fairly solid so far this season, and and uh, that's that's where the Gophers start. Yeah, back to the running backs. The second their backup right now has actually put up some better numbers than Bryce Williams has. Mohamed Ibrahim. Their uh, wide receivers, especially Tyler Johnson, is a pretty terrific player. No question. Johnson broke onto the scene a year ago with uh, about 775 passing uh, receiving yards and uh, as a freshman. And, and uh, you know, he, he's another local kid, a kid that decided to, to buy into uh, uh, P.J. Fleck's uh, sales pitch. And, and uh, uh, you know, he, he's producing. He produced last year, and, and he's got 22 catches this year for, for 295 yards, five touchdowns, uh, 73 and, and change in terms of receiving yards per game. He's a kid that I was going to have to be aware of, and he's surrounded by some other freshman receivers who are all kind of getting their feet wet as well. Uh, Rashad Bateman is is a, is a guy that they look to quite a bit as well in the passing game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a Minnesota offense that's evolving, uh, but certainly uh, they're going to be tested by Iowa and, and what the Hawkeyes bring on that defensive front. There's another wide receiver who doesn't have any stats as a wide receiver, but he's been pretty productive for Minnesota. Uh, Seth Green, he's 6'4", 240, so he's a big kid, but he comes in in an unusual kind of wildcat formation, and in that role, he's uh, thrown for four touchdown passes, has run for one, and also ran for a two-point conversion. He's a former quarterback that they moved over to uh, to a receiver spot during the uh, spring, and uh, they've been using him in a lot of different ways, having to be creative, and when you're in their, in their situation, when you're dealing with the you know the injuries that they've had to deal with um it, it's uh something you try and, and it's certainly uh, it's been pretty effective so far there's no doubt about that the four touchdown uh, four touchdowns jump off pretty quickly and and you know he, he's a guy that uh you know i was going to have to respect and, and deal with him whenever he's in the game and in you know whatever position he lines up at to your point about the youth on minnesota 72 percent of their total offensive production this season so far has, has come from freshmen they've given up their offensive line has given of eight sacks and of course that's one of Iowa's strengths so far the Hawkeyes have 13 so far this season and the defensive line has certainly been a standout so far through the first four games for the Hawkeyes no question uh, it's been the strength of the team so far and and, and I think that uh, if you look at, at what that eight-player rotation is doing up front, uh, uh, it presents some real challenges. And you know, one of the things that Fleck touched on this week is this will be the longest group of, of defensive linemen that Minnesota's going to have to face this year. Iowa size is giving people some some problems. And, you know, it's a group that uh, has proven uh, very effective at shedding blockers and getting into the backfield and, and just creating a lot of havoc. And, and you know, it, it, it's been a collective effort. I mean, certainly A.J. Epinesa gets a lot of, of of ink as as he well should for his performance with with four sacks and you know breaking up uh, you know forcing four quarterback hurries breaking up another pass uh, forcing a couple fumbles you know he's setting a tone when he's out there but he's certainly not the only one and 
you know, Parker Hesse continues to be a very consistent performer. Anthony Nelson does as well. Uh, Chauncey Golston at the, at the end spot has, has made some significant progress over the past year. And uh, it's been, uh, Reese Morgan has to be enjoying coaching this group because, you know, this is this is kind of one of those sickum groups. You just send them out, ro- keep rotating bodies, and, and uh, they seem to find a way to get it done. The linebackers have actually turned into a fairly good strength here for Iowa early on the season after a lot of concerns because of the lack of experience back there. And Jack Hockaday seems to have firmly planted himself in the middle. But the injury bug hit Iowa at the end of the Wisconsin game where Nick Neiman went down, and he's been key so far this season. And in steps Barrington Wade, who's going to get his first start this Saturday. Yeah, he might as well join the party. Uh, Iowa will have started six different linebackers at the three spots now through five games. So it's it's been a little bit of a rotation, but there's been some consistency there too. And, you know, certainly Hockaday has, has solidified himself in the middle. You know, Neiman was doing a terrific job on the outside. Uh, you know, and Christian Welsh is, is uh, going to kind of step into a reserve role for this game and, 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 and be kind of that number two guy, the swing guy between the outside spot and the will spot, the weak spot, weak side spot, if you will, you know, allowing Jamin uh, 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 Colbert to step into the lineup uh, at that position. So, you know, I always got some bodies there and, and, and they've been able to kind of mix and match and, and throw a few fresh folks out there as well. And, you know, the, the Hawkeyes are finding some success with a lot of rotation on defense. And I, th- I think with the way that the game has kind of evolved and the speed that's involved in today's game on offense, I, I think that's a, that's probably a good thing. Uh, you know, and certainly, uh, you know, Hockaday and Welch, uh, you know, are one-two on the team in terms of tackles. And the, those contributions will, will certainly continue. Colbert has shown uh, certainly some potential when he's been out there as well. And, and we're going to find out what Barrington Wade is all about uh, this week. And, you know, he, he's been given an opportunity. And, and as Kirk alluded to on Tuesday, you know, it's up to him to, to take that, that ball and run with it and, and see what he can do with the chance that he's been given. By and large, the secondary's played well so far, but that's also the injury bug has popped here on this week. It's a little bit unclear at this point whether Matt Hankins, the starting left corner, will play. Uh, in that case, it'll either be Julius Brents and or Riley Moss who will step up. One of the real keys in the secondary all season long has been a strong safety Imani Hooker. He's been great back there. He's got 25 total tackles a pick. He's all over the place on coverage, and he's a Minnesota native. It sounds like he's looking for a little bit of, um, oh, what should we say? He wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school, so I think he's looking forward to this game up there. Well, he had one Power 5 offer coming out of high school, and he took it, so that's why he's at Iowa. <laughs> and, and he did not get a lot of recruiting love from his hometown team, and, and, and it, it bothers him a little bit. I mean, in talking with him this week, that's one of the things that's uh, very clear is that, you know, he at least would have liked a little attention. Uh, he, you know, he was a finalist for, for the Mr. Football Award in Minnesota's high schools, and, uh, you know, Minneapolis kid, you would think he would be a natural for the Gophers to take a look at. Now, that that coaching staff is no longer there, but, uh, uh, you know, he still holds a little bit of a grudge and said that there is a chip on the shoulder and, and, you know, he would like to show the hometown folks what, uh, what they've missed out on this weekend. And, you know, you, you kind of walk a fine line there. And, and one of the questions I asked him was, you know, do you, do you have to kind of guard against, uh, you know, not being 
too hyped up going into this situation. And, and you know, he, he said that, you know, that is something that you have to keep in mind. You've got to be able to kind of separate the, the business of actually playing the game with, with all of the potential distractions, people wanting tickets, friends and family and, and all that kind of thing. And, and um, you know, one of the things that Iowa players are always encouraged to do is get that stuff out of the way early in the week so you don't have to deal with it later. And he, he was trying to, to take care of that business on the, on the front end of the week so he could think about the Gophers and, and and, uh, you know, putting his best foot forward when he steps out on the field in, in Minneapolis Saturday. So who has the edge in this matchup? Well, I, again, I think you've got to look at that Iowa defensive front is where it starts. And, you know, and, and until, uh, you know, I think they have, have the potential to, to make life miserable for, for Zach Anastad if if, uh, if they choose to do so. And I would suspect they will. So uh, I, I think that Iowa has, has an edge on both sides of the ball in this matchup. I think it's, uh, you know, an Iowa defense that certainly... Uh, uh, you know, held its own for the most part against Wisconsin, and, and, and certainly had prior to that. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's the group that's going to continue to kind of carry this team as the offense continues to develop. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't look for uh, either team to to uh, have have a ton of points uh, this week, but I certainly think Iowa's got a nice edge on defense. Quick glance at special teams; it seems like pretty much a wash to me. Both uh, place kickers are pretty solid. Minnesota's have been around for a long time. Both punters are doing well this season. Yeah, Emmett Carpenter, it seems like he's about a 14th year senior. And I mean, he's been, he's one of those guys that's been good since he since he showed up in, in Minneapolis. And, and if you give them uh, the ball in a position where they can put some points on the board, you know, he, he's certainly capable. Uh, I mean, he's two for two from over 50 this year with, with a long of 53. And, you know, that, that just mirrors his, his, uh, his career numbers there. He, he's, he's just, uh, you know, so solid. And I think that, uh, um, you know, Miguel Racino certainly has provided Iowa with consistency as well uh, for the for the most part uh, in the field goal range. But uh, it's one of those things that I think that uh, Minnesota has done a nice job in terms of special teams. And, uh, you know, if you look at their return men, they've got some some. Uh, pretty big time numbers uh, uh sam renner uh, has only one punt return winfield is kind of their guy there uh but uh you know they're averaging as a team 38 and a half yards on punt returns uh, they've only returned four of them but uh, you know they're they're capable and uh they're getting decent numbers in the kick return game as well uh, so i mean it, it this is a minnesota special teams group that uh, certainly can provide their team with with uh, some some uh, spark and uh, that's something i was going to need to be uh, to be wary about uh, the Hawkeyes have done a good job in limiting opponents in terms of punt returns and uh, they'll they'll need a solid game on special teams this week some big talk before we get your prediction last week was sort of an odd schedule for the conference you had five teams that had a bye uh, but the two key games that came out of that actually three of interest Ohio State Penn State came down to the last minute what a, an exciting game that was Saturday night Michigan eked by Northwestern in Evanston and Purdue continued Nebraska's woes, and uh, this week things aren't going to get any better for the Cornhuskers because they have to play in Madison. You have an interesting contest, Indiana at Ohio State, and of course the Iowa-Minnesota game. And I think the Northwestern-Michigan State matchup is an interesting one as well. Uh, Northwestern, uh, you know, certainly at one and three, has been a little disappointing this season. Michigan State at three and one is a, is a team to 
and you know there were some expectations given the experience that they brought back and uh heading into uh, uh you know an october that uh, uh is going to be a bit of a challenge for for the spartans this is one they need to win at home uh, it's also a game northwestern uh desperately needs uh wisconsin and, and nebraska and nebraska and madison under the lights uh and the huskers have lost eight straight games uh they've lost seven straight at memorial stadium so i guess probably the good thing is they're playing away but uh, you know they've been extremely penalty prone uh, scott frost said last weekend after uh, after the 42 28 loss to purdue uh you know there were some great things to like out of the game they put almost 600 yards of offense on the board but then they gave 138 of it back on penalties on 11 penalties and he said he felt like he was coaching the most undisciplined team in america you know until nebraska can get those things worked out uh it, it's going to be a struggle and and it has been and will continue to be so and you know i i guess if you're if you're a husker at this point you've got to be looking forward to bethune cookman in a couple of weeks uh, uh just simply to, to kind of maybe right ship a little bit because certainly going into madison will not be an easy task for for them uh if anything they might be able to catch the badgers looking a little bit ahead they've got michigan next week so it'll be uh, should be a, a fairly if there is such a thing as an easy win in the Big Ten uh, Wisconsin should be in a position to gain one this week right now against the Nebraska team that's still trying to figure a lot of things out as, as Scott Frost settles in and it's uh, you know, a, a tough deal I, I think that uh, they've got some some challenges ahead and uh, we'll see how it plays out but I think that the, the Badgers uh, are in a pretty good position to go to 2-0 and in the conference Back now to Iowa-Minnesota we usually call this time where we make our prognostications this week with Floyd on the line it's a hognostication what's your prediction? Well you know I, I think that uh, you know Iowa has a chance to uh, to maybe enjoy something it hasn't been able to enjoy the past couple of years and you know make a pig of themselves a bit I guess for lack of better terminology and, and win a fairly comfortable game at Minnesota I'm going to go with a, with a 28 to, to 7 score uh, I, I think that Iowa is making solid progress on offense. The Hawkeyes traditionally have not been very productive coming out of bye weeks uh, under Kirk Ferentz, and uh, I think this will be a bit of a rarity. I think they they will uh, find a way to methodically uh, push their way past uh, past the Gophers and uh, you know find a way to hold on to the hog for another year. McFinish! Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher! Gopher! Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best mind on it. I want you to kill every gopher. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. Wisconsin is now one in Iowa City five straight times. 28 to 17, the final. The Badgers improved to three and one. Iowa losing their first game of the season. What a win for Paul Chris, Wisconsin, and Alex Hornibrook. And they'll take home the brass bowl. Two very solid teams. Wisconsin and Iowa. The Heartland Trophy belongs to the Wisconsin Badgers. 28-17, the final. Our thanks again to Fox for the Iowa-Wisconsin game highlights, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 12 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. 
Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.